You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I want to remind everyone to check out our great sponsor, BuiltBar.com. Uh, I've already expressed my love for them, and I will later. Uh, on today's show, we'll dive into the virtual Indians. We missed all of last week, so we're just going to do some kind of quick fly-throughs this week on the Locked On Podcast Network. It is the What Ifs. So uh, I had some thoughts. I mean, I already kind of did a what if earlier. If you've been listening to every show, we had the Tom Seaver what if and what that could have looked like. Instead, we are going to look at uh, a what if for the 2000 Indians uh, in terms of the a draft and what if those players had worked and what if um, they had gone in other directions. So first, virtual Indians. Uh, so as we left them, it was the beginning of May. They had a win streak going, and the Giants were coming to Cleveland. Uh, In this game, on, nope, that's not the one, May 1st at Cleveland, uh, it is Tristan McKenzie leading off against, leading off, pitching against Kevin Gaussman. Kevin Gaussman's really well rated in this game, side note. Uh, This was a pitcher's duel. It took under three hours to get through uh, this one. For uh, the Giants, they had zero runs on seven hits. For the Indians, they had one run on six hits. Fran Mill Reyes had a double. Uh, for the Indians, uh, Tristan McKenzie, seven innings, five hits, five walks, three strikeouts. Adam Simber, two-thirds with two hits. And Brad Hand goes one and one-third inning to get the save with two strikeouts. That's his sixth of the year. That is Tristan McKenzie's first win. Jose Ramirez has your game-winning RBI. Uh, the Indians then have a Saturday game on May 2nd. Mike Clevenger against Tyler Bede. This one uh, was the opposite of a short game. This was a nearly five-hour affair. The Indians end up uh, winning this one in the 15th inning. They had eight runs on 17 hits. The Giants had seven runs on 16 hits and an error. Let's get into the pitching. So the uh, Clevenger goes seven and a third, and uh, it was not pretty early on. The Indians mounted a furious late comeback, so I kind of let him eat it, um, as I've done in a few other one of these games. Uh, it's not a terrible performance. Let, let, okay, it, it wasn't a bad game. Let's get into that, but I probably left him out there longer than he should. Uh, 112 pitches. He struck out 11, gave up four earned runs, two walks, on uh, and 10 hits. Uh, Oliver Perez comes in for two-thirds of an inning, gives up a run. Uh, So let's put it this way. We entered this as a situation in this uh, game. The Indians win it 8-7, but we entered the ninth inning with the Indians up 7-4. And, uh, yeah, it's not going great. Uh, Let's put it that way. Uh, Oliver Perez gives up a run. Uh, Brad Hand comes in and gives up two runs, and all of a sudden it is a tie game. Uh, Hand goes uh, two-thirds of an inning, gives up three hits, two earned runs, doesn't strike out anyone. Perez goes two-thirds of an inning, gives up one earned run, uh, a home run ball. Karen Chalk, two innings, two walks, two strikeouts, no hits. Nick Wetgren, a third of an inning, allows a hit. Two innings for Anthony Gose, uh, one strikeout. And Hunter Wood gets the win, going two innings with one hit, one walk, and two strikeouts. He was the last non-tired arm in the pen. On the other side, Dylan Davis is the loser in the 15th. Uh, you had guys getting eight at-bats in this one. So a few multi-hit games. Uh, Carlos Santana had a second double. Cesar Hernandez a seventh. Jake Bowers had three doubles in the game to give him four on the year. Roberto Perez with his sixth home run. 
so at this point, yeah, win streak's going strong. Everything's going well. Sunday's game, Carrasco v. Cueto. It's a sweep. You know, no reason to cut through. Carrasco's having a fantastic year for our virtual Indians. Uh, the Indians win this one. They have seven runs on 11 hits and an error. The Giants have four runs on eight hits. Uh, Bowers with another double. So that's four in two days for five on the air. Seventh home run of the year by Perez. Tenth by Carlos Santana. Error by Fran Mil Reyes. Carrasco goes six innings, gives up four runs on eight hits, one walk, five strikeouts. Nick Whitegren goes one and two thirds, strikes out two. Oliver Perez picks up the save because they had hand was tired uh, in this one, and he goes one inning uh, with the stri- one strikeout. Johnny Cueto is the loser on the other side. Uh, Evan Longoria has a home run, and backup catcher Rob Brantley with the pair of doubles, his first two of the year. Uh, he was a major pain in this one. Texas comes to town. We'll finish this Texas series, and that'll be as far as we get caught up. We'll ca- catch up through the rest of the week. So you have uh, Plesak versus Joe Palumbo, uh, the left-handed pitcher. So this is a situation that favors the Indians because of how uh, right-handed heavy their lineup is. Or, yes. Uh, unfortunately, the Indians lose this one. The Rangers manage five runs on 13 hits. The Indians only manage one run on eight hits. Oscar Mercado has a pair of doubles. Other than that, it is... Uh, the Indians have one walk, and they just don't do much. The offense just kind of, nothing comes together. Plesak goes six innings, gives up four runs on ten hits. Yes, that's three games in a row where our starter has given up four runs. Uh, three strikeouts and a home run. Anthony Ghost, one and two-thirds of an inning. Two hits, one earned run, two walks. And Oliver Perez, one and one-third of an inning, a hit, and three Ks. If you're wondering why I'm using the lefties so much, Giants and Rangers are very, very, very left-handed heavy, and they tend to clump them in their lineups. So that's what we're running into. Nick Solik had a triple. Uh, Joey Gallo had his 11th home run of the year. Uh, Palumbo goes seven. Rafael Montero goes two. Indians, as stated, lose that one. The game on May 5th is Aaron Saval versus Lance Lynn. Uh, the Indians drop this one. Rangers have five runs on eight hits and an error. The Indians have two runs on five hits. For the Indians in this one, Domingo Santana with home run number seven. Fran Mil Reyes with home run eight. Parasolo shots, that's all they would get across the board. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Saval goes six and a third innings. Gives up five earned runs on five hits, three, ro- three walks, five strikeouts. Uh, hand hadn't pitched in a while, so I let him go two. Because again, left-handed heavy, two innings, three hits, and Plutko then comes out to finish it up and goes two-thirds of an inning, one walk, one K. Uh, Jose Clark gets his 10th save of the year. Uh, Willie Calhoun, sixth home run, and a pair of hit batters, and Ruffin Odour and Joey Gallo. So that's uh, after that nice run, things are, are not so great. And then Wednesday, May 6th, is the return of Corey, Cleveland, Corey Kluber to Cleveland. Uh, he doesn't have a great game. He goes five and a third innings, gives up four runs on eight hits, four walks, seven strikeouts, and a home run. Problem is uh, Tristan McKenzie was pretty terrible in this one. Uh, five innings, eight runs, seven walks, six hits, two Ks, three home runs, uh, only 92 pitches. He just he didn't have it. And then... The Indians actually started to mount a comeback in this one, uh, but then, so Simber, two-thirds of an inning, one hit. Uh, Anthony Ghost, two-thirds of an inning, three walks. I then call, so the bases are loaded with one out. I bring in Nick Wetgren. He gets a double play, 
and I have him continue to pitch um, the next inning, and that started a, just a bad run by the bullpen. Uh, they give up four more. Uh, Perez, Whitgren combined to give up those four additional runs. So the Indians, who the Rangers jumped out six nothing in the third. Indians get four in combined in the fourth and fifth, and then the Rangers just keep pushing it forward. The Indians end up losing this one, twelve runs on ten hits. Uh, the Indians had six runs on ten hits. One of the big the Indians had eight walks, twelve walks by the Rangers. Uh, yeah, it was not a strong performance. Jose Ramirez had his 11th double, another three double game by Jake Bowers, bringing up to eight. Carlos Santana with his team leading 11th home run. Really ugly day by Domingo Santana. That's what stood out in this one. He kept coming up with runners in scoring position and kept like bases loaded, one out, double play. Uh, he goes 0 for 5 with three strikeouts. Uh, the strikeouts were his most productive outs. Uh, in terms of his performance in this one. It was it was an ugly, ugly day for Domingo Santana. The Indians actually had a chance with the bases loaded and uh, one out, Jose Ramirez and Carlos Santana coming up, and they both popped out. So at this point, the Indians are 23-16. and 16. That still gives them the second-best record in the Central because the... Uh, I'm sorry, it's now down to the third-best record. They're tied with Minnesota. Uh, Kansas City still has the best record in baseball, weirdly enough, in all of this. We'll see where it continues to go. Uh, for the virtual Indians, we'll do some more catch-up as the week goes on. Still waiting on Bieber and Lindor to come back from injury. So uh, our first sponsor is Built Bar. I've talked about them. They use a model of their bar where they're using natural ingredients, and they just taste good. I put in an order this week, uh, as I did on the show on Friday, to show backup that's a product I believe in, that uh, I enjoy the taste of it. I'm paying in the past for things like Quest or Zone or Cliff Bars, and um, I didn't love any of those, and I did love the Built Bar. So I put in the order. Toffee is my personal favorite. I'm going to try the Mocha. That's the second box I got that was not in my trial set. So I'm looking forward to trying it. I believe in it enough to do an order myself. So you're going to go over to Built Bar, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. Use that promo code Locked On. Uh, give it a try. I'm curious to see if other people agree with me, but I think that they are a super nice... Uh, high protein, high fiber, low sugar, low calorie type of bar. I'm always looking for type things like this in the morning, and I like them enough that it was almost sometimes I'd save it as a treat. So, built bar product I can strongly get behind. Uh, I loved it. Our other sponsor is really cool. So this is something different and new. We have uh, this pos- podcast is sponsored by the audio book edition of 24 Life Stories and Lessons from the Say Hey Kid. In this reflective and inspirational memoir, the legendary Willie Mays shares the inspirations and influences responsible for guiding him on and off the field. Widely regarded as the greatest all-around player in baseball history, the beloved Willie Mays offers people of all ages his lifetime of experience meeting challenges with positivity, integrity, and triumph. This special audiobook production includes a foreword by Bob Costas and a bonus conversation with Willie Mays and co-author John Shea. Whether you miss seeing your favorite players on the field this season or are looking for the perfect Father's Day gift, 24 is the inspiring story of one of sports' favorite living legends. Buy the audiobook edition of 24 now wherever audiobooks are sold. I have always been kind of obsessed with Willie Mays, so I'm going to have to check that out. I remember there was a, a game on the Nintendo, maybe someone will remember it, where you could pick like legends and make a legendary baseball team, and uh, Willie Mays was always one of those guys I chose. And I, I'm pretty sure that was for the original Nintendo uh, not the Super Nintendo, but I remember like Joe Torre stood out. I was like, wait, why is he here? <laughs> like, I didn't know enough about the game, but even in this like group of like the greatest players of all time, he still kind of stood out as a bit of an oddity. So let's talk about great what ifs. Um, 
in Indians history. And to do that, let's talk about the 2000, I wanted to say the 2013, no, let's talk about the 2003 MLB draft. Uh, This is an interesting draft because Delman Young was like this slam dunk uh, first overall player and he kind of turned into just a nonstop disaster, but he was supposed to be like this can't miss superstar. Uh, Richie Weeks had this uh, proven record as a hitter and was going to be this great, great hitter. It didn't work out. Uh, I mean, Weeks was a solid player, but nothing special. Uh, Nick Markakis is the most value so far of anyone in the top 10. Uh, John Danks is the uh, second most value. You go down Aaron Hill, who had an up and down career and was the 13th overall pick, uh, has the second highest war in the first round uh, of this class. And the best pick, uh, the end of the first round was the 37th overall pick, a high school shortstop named Adam Jones, taken by the Seattle Mariners, who they would then trade away for Eric Bedard. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting class. The University of Toledo is on the board, Mitch Mayer. Um, I just want to, I didn't realize, A, he went to Toledo, and B, now I have to look and see how many players Toledo has put into the draft and how many first rounders because I gotta bet that's not many uh two that the answer is two uh Mitch Mayer and Mark Coos and yeah the highest war for anyone is Mark Wilkins a pitcher who was taken in the 47th round in 1992 um the only other players above one are, are Len Medzuka and Mitch Mayer I know I'm getting off topic so let's get back to it but, uh, yes, yeah, so the 2003 draft, the Indians actually loved what they did in this draft. Um, Ohio, one more Ohio going off the board here. Interesting. So the Indians had three first-round picks. They did use one of them on another Mac player, not Mitch Mayer, uh, Brad Snyder out of Ball State. And there was an Ohio kid, Chad Billingsley, went 24th overall to the Dodgers in that draft. So uh, two Ohio players in the first round, not something we see recently. But the Indians had three first-round picks in 2003. And why did they have three first-round picks? Well, Jim Tomey. Uh, losing Jim Tomey was primarily where that compensation came from. So the, the they had their own pick, which was the 11th overall pick, and they took Michael Aubrey out of Tulane, who was a first baseman with a sparkling college resume and... Uh, you know, it was viewed to be a guy who should be a top 10 pick uh, pretty easily, and he just slid to the Indians to their benefit. With the Tomy competition pick, they took Brad Snyder, and then with the second one, they took Adam Miller. Now, I talked about this wasn't a great draft. Um, it, I, moving things around, yes. Uh, how nice would it have been if they'd taken Chad Billingsley over, say, uh, Brad Snyder? You know, but the Indians don't typically draft local, we've noticed through the years. With them, the first, uh, you know, if they were going to take someone uh, over Brad Schneider, I'm kind of surprised it wasn't Connor Jackson who went one pick later to the Diamondbacks. I know they had already drafted a first baseman, but Jackson was someone they had actually drafted out of high school. Um, and they, they do like to do those redrafts. Uh, other players of note, I'm just kind of Scott Baker, the pitcher, Andre Ether, uh, Ethier, who more known for his huge, terrible contract than uh, the fact that he was a, a pretty good player for a time before that contract became uh, a massive weight. But this 2003 draft, just as I'm going through the top four or five rounds, not not a grand grouping. Uh, you do get some value in the fourth round with uh, Michael Bourne and Jonathan Papelbon. And 
yeah, that's about it. Uh, you know, it'd be a draft where you kind of struggle to do that first round. So let's talk about the two guys the Indians took and the what if scenarios with these guys. So first off, um, I'm not going to concentrate as much on Snyder or at all. Uh, he was a good player, but I don't think anyone really had huge high expectations for him. Michael Aubrey was used as a potential uh, gold glove type of first baseman who could also maybe contend for a batting title. The issues with Aubrey came from a back injury, and he just could not stay healthy in his time in the the minors. First base, left field, uh, designated hitter. Uh, pre-2004, he's the 79th ranked prospect in baseball. 41st pre-2005. So that's, he gets drafted in 2003. 2004, he hits 310, 401 OPS, 503 slugging, 15 home runs. That is playing across A and AA that year. So he's already up in 2004 into AA and performing uh, very well. And then the back problems start in 2005. He's limited that year to just 28 games. 2006, he's limited to 14 games. 2007, 65 games. And a lot of what kind of made him special, just the back injuries took out of him. And if you go to the, you know, the, the what if scenario with the Cleveland Indians itself, the 2007 Indians, he would have likely have been a part of if the back injury doesn't arise. Uh, where he could have helped this team is left field. Now he was primarily, you know, a first baseman only, but this is a team that was playing a lot of not great defenders in general um, at positions that they did not excel at. Uh when you look at the fact that uh, Ryan Carco is your first baseman and Travis Hafner is your DH, uh, amongst those guys, if I'm going to move someone to left field, it's Michael Aubrey. And if you do that, that maybe you don't make the trade for Jason Michaels. Maybe he doesn't get all that time. I mean, Jason Michaels and Trot Nixon are your primary left and right fielder. The Indians have to go out and trade for Kenny Lofton end of the year at age 40 to help them in the outfield. Franklin Gutierrez is also, uh, you know, as a young player, gets in 100 games for them that year and plays well. David DeLucci is actually second um, behind Gutierrez and before Lofton in terms of uh, games played and uh, played appearances, Who and he was also at that point done. So the Indians had some massive issues in the corner outfield, and this is a team that went deep in the playoffs. So if you put Aubrey out there, um, it's going to improve them in left field. It's going to make them a better team. And you think about what that does to your bottom of your lineup if you add a guy with a plus hit tool. Um, maybe this team gets to the World Series just through that change. Maybe that's enough to get through. The other player you have to talk about and the effect you would have had on this 2007 Indians team is Adam Miller. Now, Adam Miller was a special talent, and I think pretty quickly everyone began to realize that. And you look at the Baseball America ranks, pre-2005, 16th. Pre-2006, 47th, 2007, 23, 2008, 29, 2009, 82nd. And he keeps staying there even though he just cannot. He's, he has all of these injury problems, blisters on his hands and his fingers that don't seem to go away. Uh, it just speaks to what he could do. And we talk about that pre-2005 year where he had the highest uh, value. 2004, he pitches in 27 games, 134 innings, 10.2 strikeouts per nine, 2.7 walks per nine. That's as a 19-year-old in low and high A, uh, 7.2 hit per nine. He did everything you could ask for. You come back in 2005, and he struggles a little bit. His hit rate jumps up, but the walk rate's there. The strikeout rate isn't as great, but he's battling through blisters. He's not quite the same guy. 2006, he's pitching in between double and triple A, pitches 158 innings. That's the most you would ever pitch in a year. And again, this is in 2006. And 
he's phenomenal. 9.2 strikeouts per nine, 2.6 walks per nine. The uh, the 3.35 ERA. I'm sorry, that's that 2.84 ERA. I, I read the wrong column. And he's 21 years old, pitching in double and triple A and, and dominating uh, players significantly older than him. He is, to this date, the best pitching prospect I've seen go through the Indian system. And I'll stand by that. And I think in terms of what he could have been, uh, you know, he was talked about as the CC Sabathia replacement. So what happens if the blisters aren't there? Or if after the first issues in 2005, he gets past it and never arises again? For the 2007 Indians, as a quick reminder, uh, you got Sabathia, who had a fantastic year, Fausto Carmona, a.k.a. Roberto Hernandez. That was the standout year, that first year. He was a borderline all-star talent. Paul Bird was average. Jake Westbrook was average. Cliff Lee and Jeremy Sowers were not good. Cliff Lee the next year would turn into the really amazing pitcher that uh, you know he'd win the Cy Young in the next year. So they had two starters and two back-end arms and then some unknowns, and that did hurt come the playoffs. So, I mean, a healthy Adam Miller is no worse than probably the number three starter on this team, and that helps stop some of the bleeding in that series against Boston. If you can throw out a young flamethrower who they're not familiar with, I mean, that could have been a huge difference just right there. But let's say he doesn't get that opportunity as a starter. You look at that Indians bullpen, uh, Rafael Betancourt and Rafael Perez were amazing. Aaron Foltz was actually a pretty good reliever for them that year in limited innings. Tom uh, Mastny was their uh, fourth most used reliever. Yeah, that's where we are. I mean, Fernando Cabrera, I'd forgotten about. Uh, Really good stuff, could never put together. He's really high on the list. Jensen Lewis, Jason Stafford, 42-year-old Roberto Hernandez, uh, Edward Musica, it's it's not a stellar list. Uh, they struggled with bullpen issues, and you know Joe Borowski was terrible, led the league in saves, but he was not good. So imagine just the difference of that bullpen, if nothing else, if you have Adam Miller in the back there uh, as your closer at that point in time for this team. It just changes the entire outlook. If you can be like, okay, in the seventh inning, you're going to deal with a combination of Rafael Perez and Betancourt. Eighth inning, one of them as well. And then the ninth, Adam Miller. Like, that would have just been an entirely different looking bullpen. It changes the way that team is able to approach all of those games. Or if he's a starter, all of a sudden you're not having Paul Bird pitch two games in the postseason when he's been a at-best league average starter. A guy giving up 11 hits per nine. Yes, he had 1.3 walks per nine. But a bad combination of doesn't miss bats, gives up a lot of home runs, and gets hit a lot. Like, that's just not what you want in the postseason there were so many ways, even more than Michael Aubrey, I think Adam Miller could have changed this team. Um, if both of those guys had been able to hit, you know, 80% of their potential and debuted for the Indians in, at the end of 2006, leading to 2007, that Indians team goes to the World Series. That is kind of my what if from all of this. The 2007 Indians, and it's, you know, they had some terrible drafts. And trust me, as we go through and look at drafts, we'll talk about those some more. But this wasn't a bad draft. This was an unlucky draft. And that's just kind of what I see here. This team got really far with a really bad pitching staff. And the next year, things would just get even worse, um, which is interesting because, yes, Cliff Lee turns into an amazing pitcher. But the rest of those players on there, you know, Westbrook uh, gets hurt. Uh, Sowers is pretty much done. Foster Carmona never comes back to doing what he did. So, even if you change things around, 
maybe that 2008 Indians team doesn't implode quite so badly. When you have Lee and Sabathia uh, coming off and making it to the World Series, and you have Adam Miller as your three, I mean, he probably starts the year as the, you know, he'd start the year as a three, and then Cliff Lee would, you know, eventually push everyone down. Um, maybe it makes the rebound a little bit quicker if they do still have to trade um, Sabathia because he's going to walk at the end of the year, which, by the way, you know, the way things worked out in free agency, the Brewers got a third rounder for him because this was the old compensation system, so you just got a, a pick back based on the other team. And since the Yankees also signed Teixeira, the, uh, the Brewers got a bad pick. So, you know, moving Sabathia was 100% the right move. But it does certainly change everything with this team. I mean, the talent level is there. The next year, uh, uh, Pronk barely plays. Like, they could have used another bat, another first baseman. Ryan Garko um, really starts to fall apart as well. So Aubrey and Miller, uh, two players who freak injuries, unusual injuries, and it just leads to the what-if game with both of them. And I think you can say that if those two guys are healthy, this is a team that probably makes a World Series. They maybe win a World Series in 2007. Remember, Boston uh, struggled with the Indians and then swept Colorado um, in the 2007 World Series. I'm going to just double-check that. Okay, no, I was right. They swept Colorado in that. I mean, like I said, maybe the Indians win the 2007 World Series if Adam Miller and Michael Opry don't have weird freak injuries. Uh, it's one thing to get hurt. Um, it's another thing to like have you know, typical injuries, but you don't hear of a lot of 20-year-olds whose careers get sidelined irrevocably. I can't say the word irrevocably. You don't hear of two players whose careers get sidelined because of blisters and a back in their early 20s. So yeah, what if scenario? I hope you enjoyed this show this today. We will continue with our three-week schedule. Remember to tell your Locked On devices to play uh, the Locked On Fantasy or the Locked On Major League Podcast, as well as Locked On Indians or any of our great Locked On Cleveland podcasts. You are fantastic. Thank you for the reviews, the downloads, the listens. It is so helpful to our little show. I have been Jeff Ellis. You have been awesome. And as always, go Tribe.